Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From MotoWeek.net, it's the MotoWeek Podcast with your host, Wilson. Why, hello and welcome to MotoWeek. My name is Wilson. Thank you so much for listening to the only MotoGP show on the internet, whose host is willing to be a super tester for KTM if they are still looking. I mean, if Jack doesn't want it, that is, of course. Ch- check this out. This is a wild rumor, all right? Faced with a situation where they've got five riders under contract for next season in MotoGP, KTM reportedly got shot down in their quest to ask for an extra bike on the grid, a la Repsol Honda back in 2011. So instead, they're rumored, and this is just a rumor, they're rumored to have either offered or considered offering Jack Miller double his salary to stop racing full-time and instead serve in this kind of hybrid test rider, regular rider role, where he would test all season long and then run whatever the maximum number of permissible wildcard races are, which currently I believe is six. Dorna is apparently indicating they would be willing to stretch that to 10 in the season. And all of this just to ensure that they can fulfill their obligation and not lose Phenom Pedro Acosta by making room for him on the Premier Class grid next season. Now, personally, I think that's all probably a bit of BS, but who knows? I mean, it was serious enough that Jack was actually asked about it and he said, well, I don't know what's going on there, but that sounds like a stupid thing to do and I would not be interested in it. And I can understand that for sure. But if KTM is really interested in having what they call a super tester in their corner, listen, guys, you could save a lot of money here because you don't have to pay me double jack salary. No, I'll do it for half. So, you know, call me. Let's talk. Yeah, somehow I don't think my phone is going to be ringing anytime soon. Uh, But we're not here to discuss my 10 future wildcard entries in this episode. Instead, we're here to talk about racing This weekend, as MotoGP jumps right back into action after a dramatic Catalonia round, this time they're headed to Italy to take on the legendary Misano World Circuit Marco Simoncelli, and so that's what we're going to do. Previewing round 12 of the 2023 MotoGP season, the San Marino GP on the lovely Adriatic coast in Italy. As usual, I'll review the track. Then we'll talk about some riders and try to determine if Aprilia's newfound momentum in Spain can carry over to more success this weekend, or if Ducati and their banged-up lead rider in Pecobagnaia can come charging back to the front. So let's do this. Uh, Before we get going, though, I would like to take a moment to invite you over to the website if you have not checked it out yet. You can find all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released at MotoWeek.com. You can follow on Twitter at MotoWeek and on Instagram at MotoWeekUSA. And if you want to talk about things, if you want to tell me what to talk about on the show, leave a comment. You can do that on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MotoWeek.net or over on the very active Reddit sub at r slash MotoWeek. And if you do want to support the program, 
You can do that on Patreon at patreon.com slash MotoWeek. Links to everything I just mentioned can be found on the website at MotoWeek.net. All right, next up is the rundown. This is the list of just about everything we're going to talk about on this episode of the program, which is dedicated to Misano. Our full preview of round 12 of the 2023 MotoGP season, the San Marino GP. We'll talk about the track and what makes this Italian circuit so awesome. Then we'll move on to the riders, starting with the favorites. Those are the guys who I think have the best chance at a podium or maybe even to win the race this weekend. My watch list, some teams and riders who could surprise on Saturday or Sunday. And I'm going to dig pretty deep this particular weekend to find some guys that might be sleepers. Then after all of that, I'll attempt, very poorly by the way, to make some picks for both the sprint race and Sunday's MotoGP race. I'll do the top three for the sprint and the top five for the main race, so stick around for that a little bit later on. All right, so let's kick off our preview of the San Marino GP at Misano. And we've got to think about what happened just a week ago before we kind of dive in here. Aprilia really stepped up to the challenge last weekend in Catalonia and dominated. And they did that on the heels of some incredible hometown performances by both Alex Espagro and Maverick Vinales. And let's not forget about Vinales here. I mean, Espagro, yeah, with the double win, everybody's talking about him. But Mav had a great weekend himself. But even though we're now headed to Aprilia's home country, I would argue that the advantage here still lies distinctly with Ducati. This place is a little bit more catered to their heart-accelerating, heartbreaking style, and it shows in the results, where they've had two riders on the podium in each of the last three races run here. But there is room for a challenge. We talked about Maverick Vinales. He looked great on the Aprilia at this track last season. And both Honda and Yamaha have also put riders on the podium across the last three races. Although I think we can all agree that Honda and Yamaha definitely have not been as competitive as the European bikes. So that could change the balance at the front when we talk about the podium a little bit later on. Now in Austria, in Catalonia, I didn't feel that the racing action was as intense as I wanted to be. And as we've seen earlier in the season, that could change this weekend because the riders have had a lot of time to get familiar with this track, to build up their notes. There have been no less than five MotoGP races run in San Marino in the last three years. One in 2022, and then a pair of them in 21 and 20 as they use that track to do makeups for COVID races. Um, but before we get to all of the riders and whether Aprilia can challenge Ducati or vice versa, first, let's talk about the track. And the Misano World Circuit Marco Simoncelli is interesting for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, this place is really, really Italian. Um, but even though it is a bit of an Italian cathedral, the other interesting thing is that while Ducati has been really good here the past three years, they haven't really dominated over time. That's more of a recent thing for them. In fact, nobody really has dominated here. And that's the next interesting aspect of Misano. The success has really been spread out. Over the last 10 years, Marc Marquez and Peko Bagnaia have been the only repeat winners. Mark has won four times, Peko has won twice. And as you'll see here in a moment when we start talking about these riders, the vast majority of them don't have a lot of success at Misano. And then you toss in the fact that Peko might not be 100% healthy, 
And Mark obviously isn't racing anywhere near his peak capability and neither is the bike. This could be a very wide open race, especially when you consider that the track itself has been wide open for years now. And there are several reasons for that. Sometimes it's the weather. Sometimes the guys that run here just simply have bad luck. And sometimes it's the unpredictable racing surface, which was ultra grippy in 2018 lacked any bite at all in 2019. Since then, it's been totally repaved. And so now that new surface is trying to wear in as well. And so that's going to be a big challenge for the teams and the riders heading into this weekend. Um, The circuit isn't particularly long, but it certainly does pack a lot into its four kilometers or so, which is about a mile and a half. It's a mix of technical and deceptively fast. The first third is slow and twisty, not really stop and go, just a test of corner speed that also offers several opportunities to pass, especially in the S's of 1-2, then that double apex at 4 and 5. After that, things open up a bit. That certainly helps Ducati, uh, not with a traditional straight, but with a gently curved one that puts you on the left side to break hard into that really tight hairpin of turn 7. Then we get to the best part of the circuit. The backstretch, which gets really exciting really quick as it doglegs into Carvone's one, two, and three. Right-handers of varying mid to high-speed corners. The braver you are through there, the more speed you can carry. Or if you're not good at it, the more speed you can lose. And that's going to get you on that short straight that breaks really hard into Caro, turn 14. That's the slowest point on the track. And if you've made up ground through those three right-handers, you then have a great opportunity to dive bomb under somebody for a hard block pass to make it stick. And if that isn't enough, all of that, after you spend all of that time on the right side, then they throw a left-hander at you. So you have to be very careful not to lose the front end going into turn 15 after that left side of the tire cools down a whole lot. Um, and speaking of block passing, don't underestimate the final corner either. There can be some excitement that happens there too. So it offers a few handling sections, a few mid to high speed edge grip and throttle control sections. And that's why we see a variety of winners here because it lends itself to a variety of bikes. Although I would argue, especially when you talk about the back half of the track, that it really does favor the Ducatis more than anybody else. Um, The weather is going to be dry, which is a good thing. It's going to be warm. The commentators are going to say it's hot, but they need to come here for a little bit. They'll really know what hot is. Um, You combine that with a circuit that already tests the front tire to its limit with a lot of edge time, a lot of lean angle braking. And there are a lot of challenges this weekend, which may tilt things more in favor of the experienced riders. So that's where they're racing. This is who might be leading the way. So let's talk about the favorites. These are my top five riders in this race, the ones I think have the best shot at finishing on the podium. We will take them in championship order where they are in the standings right now, which means we're obviously going to start with our title leader, Peko Bagnaya. And somehow, miraculously, he's going to be racing this weekend after that insane wreck in Catalonia where he went what, five, six feet in the air on the high side, and then Brad Binder subsequently ran over his legs. And all of that potentially proves, at least to me, that Peko might actually be a robot now. They may have replaced him with metal parts along the way, and now he's just kind of a cyborg MotoGP alien or something like that. Um, Obviously, Bagnaia's fitness is a concern coming into this weekend. I mean, just because he didn't break any bones doesn't mean he left Barcelona unscathed. 
But if there's a track where Peko could stand to come in at less than 100%, this is probably it. The champions landed on the podium here in each of the last three years. A runner-up performance in 2020 before winning in 2021 and then 2022, like I mentioned earlier. The only rider since Marc Marquez to win more than once here in the past 10 years. Um, And last year's, of course, featured that epic showdown between himself and Anea Bastianini, which, of course, left us with so much hope coming into this season with those guys both being on the factory team together that we would get round after round of those types of battles, of course, That hasn't materialized because of Bastianini's health. Um, But Pecco definitely has been the best overall rider at Misano the past three years. So he's got some reserve to dip into here if he isn't at full strength. And of the other riders with multiple podiums here in that same time span, you've got Bastianini leading the way, but of course he's out entirely for this one. Polispagro has had a couple of podiums in that span, but he's definitely still recovering from his early season injuries and not a major factor. Then you've got Maverick Vinales, and we will be talking about Mav in a few minutes here. He is a legitimate threat for Pecco and in this race in general. But when you take Bagnaia's San Marino success in the past and then remove a few of the main challengers from the equation, taking Bastianini out entirely, Espargro and Marc Marquez, for that matter, both being marginal, then for me... He's still the rider to beat as long as he can get on the bike and be somewhere over 75%. He's still the guy that everybody's going to be chasing. Now, Jorge Martin will at least try to have something to say about that. He definitely recaptured some of his lost momentum last weekend in Catalonia. He podiumed on Sunday and he would have been solidly in the mix for a podium on Saturday had he not made that early mistake. Although he recovered reasonably well, he still ended up finishing fifth in that one. Now, whether that all translates to this weekend, that's a bit of a mystery because there isn't much to go on with Martin when it comes to racing on the Adriatic coast. And this is going to be a recurring theme as we go through most of these riders where they don't have a whole lot of success here because it's been spread out so equally and we've got a lot of new players on the scene. So Jorge's best finish at this track was one year ago. He started 13th, he ended the day 9th. And that's it. That's all we have to go off of. Jorge DNF'd in both 2021 races, and he didn't run either of the 2020 events back in Moto2. He was sidelined at that point with COVID and had to set out, I think, three races in a row. But the field, like I said, it's going to be pretty wide open for this race. And I fully expect Martin's raw speed to serve him well both days of the weekend. Now, whether it's enough to challenge Pecco or one other rider I'm about to talk about here in a moment, well, I'm not sure about that. But Martin definitely has serious podium potential this entire weekend. Uh, Brad Bender also falls into the same category as Martin for me. He may not have much history at all in San Marino, but he continues to be fast this season. All of his finishes in Misano have been in kind of the 8th to 12th place range. But this year, he's been more resilient than ever, making progress after the lights go off no matter where he started on the grid. Um, And when you take his fourth in Catalonia in the sprint, obviously he didn't have a chance to finish fourth in Catalonia in the main race because he, you know, ran over Pecco. But if you take that sprint result, his average finish 
in races where he makes it to the checkered flag since the end of April at Harath is 4.4. And that's both the good and the bad for both Bender and KTM right now. They've been pretty consistently just behind the top riders in terms of speed. And because of that, Brad always has a chance to take home some sort of hardware. But the downside is that he's always been just behind the top riders in speed. And so that means he's not a consistent podium threat. So at a track where he doesn't have a whole lot of history, there are a few question marks about his overall potential. But Brad is racing well right now. He's not suffering that late race fade that's befallen teammate Jack Miller on a regular basis. And so I think he still has to be in serious consideration for a big weekend. Now, as for the last two riders on the favorites list, I think it'll be pretty obvious why they've made it here. Uh, Starting with Alicia Spagro, who, let's face it, his biggest challenge heading into this weekend is whether the hangover is worn off from his party last Sunday night. Um, Alish is coming into Misano off of pretty much the biggest weekend of his MotoGP career, maybe the biggest weekend of his racing career. Uh, not just the double win, but a phenomenal effort from start to finish where he dominated both events. Now, when it comes to this circuit, well, like most of the riders we're going to talk about, there have been quite a few issues. But Aleish was able to turn in a sixth place result one year ago. That's his best finish so far in the San Marino GP. So that's at least something. Now, after not living up to expectations from the start of the year up through Saxon Ring, something then clicked for Aleish, and he's been phenomenal ever since. With the exception of a brief blip in Austria, where Aprilia didn't really expect to run well anyway, he has been great. I mean, since Assen. Alicia Spargo has had three wins, four podiums, and six top five finishes in eight total races. And like I said, the other two were Austria, where they didn't expect to do a whole lot. And it's not just LH. I mean, Aprilia as a whole have been faster in the second half. And when I say that, mostly I mean the factory guys, Alicia Spargo, Maverick Vinales, but even Miguel Oliveira has started to show some speed as well. So a bike that's faster, a rider that is on fire right now, Yeah, this track may not be the most ideal, but it will be better for Aprilia than the Red Bull ring was. So I think that Aleish has a solid chance to bring last week's mojo directly into Italy. Um, And speaking of his factory teammate, Maverick Vinales, let's talk about him to round out this group. Because Mav may have been overshadowed by Alex's dominant performances in Barcelona, But let's not forget that he was nearly as good. I mean, he was just behind Espagro in practice, just behind him in qualifying. And then the same was true for both races, where he scored his first double podium weekend ever, a third in the sprint, then a second on Sunday. But even though he couldn't keep up with his teammate last weekend, Mav definitely has something else going for him this weekend that his teammate can't claim. In fact, None of the last few riders we talked about can say this. He's had success in San Marino. In fact, he's one of the best riders on the current MotoGP grid here historically. He's got a win, three podiums, including finishing third to that phenomenal Bagnaia-Bastianini battle a year ago. And even beyond the podiums, 
Vinales is good here. Scoring a further fourth and fifth place result on Yamahas, and then even a fifth back when he was on a Suzuki. So he's comfortable at this track. He's really started to come on competitively after the summer break. Then he brought it all together with the double podium in Catalonia. Confidence is running high in the 12 camp, and it could lead to a great weekend at a track where Vinales has been fantastic in the past. All right, so that's my list of favorites. Now let's move on to the watch list. And these are five riders who you may not have thought of coming into this weekend, but they've got potential. The opportunity is there for any one of these guys to battle for a top five or even make it on a podium. One or two, and I really only mean one or two, even have a chance to win this thing. And again, we'll go in championship order where they are in the standings currently. We're going to start by talking about Luca Marini. And I put him on this list before the announcement came out heading into this weekend that he's re-signed with VR46. And by the way, that's not a big surprise at all. Of course, he was going to re-sign with VR46. His stepbrother owns the team. And we'll talk more about Luca's performance here in a minute. In fact, I want to talk about that actual signing. Because as I put Luca Marini down on this list, I thought, you know what? You could put Marco Bezzecchi here instead. I mean, I consider them a little bit interchangeable at this point. But here's the thing. I was reading an article about Luca Marini re-signing with VR46. And they spent about uh, one and a half paragraphs on Luca, And the rest of the article was about how Marco Bezzecchi is so awesome. And how VR46 is having an incredible year because of Bezzecchi. And that, hey, who knows? Maybe by re-signing, Luca Marini could learn a few things or be inspired by Bezzecchi to perform better, right? I don't get why people gravitate. Actually, I do get it. I get why people gravitate more towards Marco than they do Luca because of the wins and the fact that Marco has not just been performing better across the board, but he's also been getting the attention from Ducati management and all the talk about a current year ride. But they're missing the point on Marini. I mean, there is a great reason to consider Luca Marini here. He has rapidly gotten better, not just in general, but here at his home track. And I don't think he gets enough credit. He finished 19th his first time around at Misano as a rookie. Then a few races later that season, he landed on the front row in qualifying. Then one year ago, he finished fourth in front of Fabio Quattraro. And at the time, Fabio Quattraro didn't suck. And at the time... That was his best performance or tied for his best performance ever in MotoGP. He's since done better than that. He got a podium this year. And yes, he has definitely struggled over the past few rounds in the sprint races. He has. Then Lucas saddled himself with a terrible 18th place starting spot in Catalonia. Despite that, and despite the fact that, yes, Marco Bezzecchi has run better this season. That doesn't mean Marini is bad. He still has top six speed. And a lot of riders would love to say that they've got top six speed. And coming back to a track that is a bit more friendly to him and is a bit more friendly to the GP22, this is a great opportunity for him to get back in the top five territory. Even if it's just on Sunday, because he's got some sort of weird Saturday thing going for him right now where he's just bad luck all the time. So don't sleep on Luca Marini. 
He isn't a guy who desperately needs to follow Marco Bezzecchi to be able to get up toward the front. He does have speed himself. He's shown it to us multiple times this year. Now, next up is a rider that we haven't talked about in a while in Jack Miller. And that's because, well, he just hasn't really done anything in a while, unfortunately. Uh, Jack's last podium of any sort was in the sprint race at Saxon Ring before the summer break. Since then, he's still been able to show really good speed over a couple of laps or in qualifying. But then once we get to the race, the bike just starts to go away from him in a way that it doesn't for Brad Bender. And it really is kind of inexplicable. In fact, Jack was so frustrated by this that they threw some old Ducati-style settings at the bike for Catalonia. The result there was nothing short of terrible. That being said, now with these rumors that KTM is maybe eyeing him critically while trying to figure out their five-rider problem, I think that Jack is going to feel unfairly singled out and put on the hot seat, even if those rumors aren't true. And as a result, I think that Jack is going to take the track this weekend with a little bit of extra motivation. Now, as for San Marino, Miller was fifth here a few years back on a Ducati, and then sixth a little before that on a Honda. Not the greatest, but at least he can be somewhere in the mix for the top five. And we've seen in the past what lighting a fire under Jack has been able to do, and I think it could produce a good result this weekend as well. Next up on the watch list, uh, Fabio Quattraro. He continues. He just continues to confuse. And this weekend might be no different. And unlike the vast majority of riders we've talked about so far in this episode, Fabio has some real success here. Two career podiums, the most recent coming in the first race of 2021. Uh, He was fifth at this track a year ago, just behind the aforementioned Marini. And before that top five, he was fourth in the second races of both 2021 and 2020. In fact, in Fabio Quattraro's last four events that he's run at this track, he's posted an average finish of 3.75. And so you're thinking, this is great. He's clearly going to be a podium contender, right? Especially with Mark not really being in the mix and Nea Bastianini being out altogether. But you know what? We've heard this song before this season. Fabio has great stats at a particular track. He's been really good here in the past. And I say, hey, this might be the one. It could be the one where everything comes together. And then he blows it and finishes outside the top 10. So I'm just going to say this. The potential exists for a good result for Fabio Quattraro this weekend. Let's see if he can make that reality. And then we'll move on to Mark Marquez, who is pretty much in the same category as Fabio, except that he's historically better than anyone here. Four Misano wins, six podiums, and we're not just talking back in his heyday either. Mark's most recent victory in San Marino was the second race of 2021. That also happens to be the last time that Mark Marquez has stood on the top step of a MotoGP podium. But his success here definitely goes back a long way. In his last seven races in Misano, Mark's average finish, average finish over seven races, 2.0. Yeah. You go all the way back to 2013 when he joined the Premier Class, 3.44. 
That's his average finish since 2013 for a clear decade with some extra races thrown in. And that is including the 2014 race where Mark finished 15th after wrecking while battling with Valentino Rossi for the lead. So he's pretty much amazing here. Not Saxon ring amazing, but not too far off either. So does that mean he's primed for a vintage Mark reappearance on the podium? I'm not ruling it out, but I'm also not holding my breath. Uh, He looked pretty racy early on last Sunday in Catalonia before he dropped out of the top 10. But the thing is, he's not riding with a lot of confidence. We all know the bike isn't really good. So you have to temper your expectations and realize that whatever we ultimately see, whether it's a run for the podium or 13th or 14th, it's all likely going to come down to how well Mark can flex his sheer talent because the bike isn't letting him do what he really wants to do. So we talked about Fabio. We talked about Mark. But if you want an even longer shot rider, somebody with even higher odds for this weekend, let's go with Paul Espagaro, who most definitely still is not back to himself after those huge injuries at the start of the season. And he's also on a satellite KTM, but he's clearly determined. He's looked kind of racy here and there and has actually been pretty good recently at Misano with a pair of podiums on a pair of different bikes. He was third in 2020 on the KTM, then finished a distant second to teammate Marquez on the Honda in 2021, which probably was his best race ever on the Honda. Um, I, I don't know that for a fact, but I could guess that very easily. Having two San Marino podiums here, pretty rare for this grid. So let's see what history and experience count for and if they can overcome him not being at 100% yet and trying to play catch up on a satellite bike. Even though they don't consider it to be a satellite bike, they say it's a factory gas gas bike, but it it's not. It's a satellite KTM. It even says KTM in the standings and in the score sheets. Um, all right, so that rounds out my watch list, which means we have one more order of business left to take care of. I have to figure out who's going to finish where in this daggone race, both Saturday and Sunday. So I'll do the top three for Saturday's sprint, the top five for Sunday's MotoGP race. And remember, when I give you these picks, that there are so many question marks coming into this weekend. The best rider at this track, Mark Marquez, is on a terrible bike. Fabio Quattraro, nowhere to be found, right? Anea Bastianini, who's had podiums the past three times out, not even in this race. Peko Bagnaia, coming off that huge wreck, Clearly not going to be 100%. So who's going to step up? Who's going to take the title? Is it going to just be Pecco or somebody else? Well, here are my top three picks for Saturday's sprint race. In third, that's where I'm going to put Pecco Bagnaia. Now, he could easily win this race. I'm just being a tiny bit conservative because I'm not sure how much last weekend's wreck is going to affect him in the short term. He'll be fast one way or the other but I'll put him at the back of the podium. In second, I'm going to go Brad Bender. This is a track that demands aggressiveness, and Bender is certainly capable of that. If he turns in a good qualifying effort, then he can make a play for the podium. And your winner, and I'm going to do something I don't normally do here. I'm going to not go with either of my lists that I just reviewed and pick somebody entirely different. I'm going to go with Marco Bezzecchi. 
And I get it. We didn't talk about Marco except for a little bit during our discussion of Luca Marini, but that doesn't mean he's not fast. And, you know, yes, somebody like Jorge Martin or Joan Zarco or either of the Aprilias could run really well here, but this is more of a Ducati style track. Marco is coming off of a bad weekend. So I'm going to look for him to take that bike that Pecco and Anea dominated on last year and do something with it, make a statement with it. So that's how I'm going to go with the win the sprint race. Now let's move on to Sunday's MotoGP race. I'll do the top five here. And in fifth, I'm going to go Jack Miller. And like I talked about earlier with Miller, those rumors that KTM is maybe trying to marginalize him, they're not going to sit well. And I expect him to come out swinging this weekend to try to hammer home the point that he belongs on the grid full-time, no questions asked. The late race fade is the only thing I'm concerned about here, but I think that Jack's determination will get him past that. Uh, In fourth, I'm going to pick Luca Marini. I know, I picked Bidzeki in the sprint, but this is a different race. Luca is coming off of a lackluster weekend, but like Bidzeki, he's going to be riding the bike that won here easily a year ago. He was good in Austria. He was good in Mugello. This track has some elements of both of those. And with the hometown fans behind him, and that's the big thing, I really like his chances to challenge for a podium, but I'm going to put him just off that podium. Who will be on the podium this weekend? Well, in third, I'm going to go with Aleix Espagaro. Coming off of that amazing weekend in Barcelona and at Aprilia's home track in their home country, I fully expect that momentum to carry and for Espagro to be fast. He just lacks a little bit of history here, so I can't put him higher. Second, Pecco Bagnaia. He should feel much more comfortable both mentally and physically by Sunday. I expect him to be close to his usual amazing self at that point, but who's going to beat him? Oh, you're probably thinking Bitsecki, right? No, no, no. No, I'm not picking Bitsecki in this one. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to pick him. Maverick Vinales. This could, this could be the race where Mav makes history by winning for his third MotoGP manufacturer. He's got it all set up, the momentum coming in, a track that he likes. He could be very, very tough in this one if he gets off the lights without botching it, has a good qualifying effort and doesn't mess up the start. That could be your guy. We could be talking about a huge story by the end of the weekend. So those are my picks. In the sprint race, third, Peko Bagnaia, second, Brad Bender, and your winner, Marco Bitsecki. Then in Sunday's full MotoGP race, the top five, Jack Miller, Luca Marini, and on the podium, Alicia Spagro, Peko Bagnaia, and your winner, Maverick Vinales. Do you agree? Do you disagree? You know what to do. Get on Facebook, get on Reddit, tell me why my picks are absolute, complete rubbish and why your picks are way, way better. Then, of course, after the race, we'll talk about all of it. Uh, Since we do have a race this weekend, we will have a post-race show. Check back at the conclusion of Sunday where I'll recap all of the MotoGP action at Misano in both the sprint and the regular race. We'll review the championship picture. Then I'll give you my take on the weekend after that. It'll be your turn. Give me your comments on Facebook and Reddit. We'll discuss them later on in the week. And remember, I'm going to have some shows coming up. We're going to talk about John Zarco, his move to LCR Honda. We're going to talk about Alex Rins heading to Yamaha. We're going to talk about Marco Bezzecchi staying with VR46. At the same time, we will also talk about Luca Marini staying with VR46. 
And then we have to discuss what may happen both at Ducati with their two remaining seats, one at Pramac, one at Grassini, and now what might happen at KTM since they're in this dilemma where they've got five riders and only four bikes. Is Dorna going to crack and give him an extra bike on the grid? I kind of think so. Or are they going to have to do something weird with one of their riders? Which is a possibility too, just not with Jack Miller. Um, We've got a lot of topics to talk about. To make it easier for everybody, I'm going to break those up into separate shows, which means there are a lot of programs coming up, and I don't want you to miss a single one. So to ensure that that doesn't happen, and to ensure that you're not sad because of it, subscribe to the show. That'll make everything better. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, Player.fm, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible Podcasts. Basically, go to any podcasting site, okay? Type in Moto Week. You should be able to find the program. Of course, you can always get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released on the website at MotoWeek.net. You can follow on Twitter at MotoWeek and on Instagram at MotoWeekUSA and leave those comments. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want me to talk about on Facebook at facebook.com slash motoweek.net or over on the Reddit sub at r slash motoweek and subscribe to the Reddit sub while you're there. I don't get anything for it, but you will. You'll get a lot of great conversations with a lot of awesome motorcycle fans and motorcycle racing fans just like you. All right, so let's see what happens this weekend. I'm not quite sure. I mean, it could just be Peko start to finish or... We might see a variety of folks step up and make some noise at this track that has always been so wide open, with the exception of when Mark was dominating, and Mark is definitely not going to be dominating this weekend. So let's see what happens. I can't wait to read your comments about it, and hopefully, hopefully, we're going to get some really, really good racing this weekend. Uh, One way or the other, we'll talk about it after it happens. So I want to thank you so much for listening. Ride safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.